Sorry. Uh, can we do it again? <laughs> Let's do it again. Maybe before again. that, say who you are. Yeah, and I'll throw in my name. Smart. This guy. <laughs> that's why you, you pay the big bucks. All right. Welcome to episode two of Fatal Error. I am Sarush Conlon. And I'm Chris Dezombach. All right. Today we are going to talk a little bit about view models. So uh, view models are a topic that Chris has a little bit more experience with, so I'll let him kick it off and sort of explain what we're getting ourselves into here. All right. Sure. Uh, so... I'm going to start by explaining a little bit about the problem that I think view models solve, and then we can get into what a view model is and how they solve it. But um, first, let me argue that uh, UI view controllers are, um, in a typical iOS app, are pretty complex, and they have a whole lot of responsibilities. You're not going to hear any disagreement with from me on that. Let's start with the responsibilities that are assigned to them by UIKit, right? That, right? That's already quite a lot, and they are like literally controlling the view, controlling the view lifecycle, handling um, putting these views on screen in your application, right? That That's already kind of a lot of responsibility. Managing children. Managing children, yeah. That's that's full-time Managing job rotation. in and of itself. <laughs> a, lot of a, lot. a lot of responsibilities. Lot. So... And then in a typical iOS app, you end up with even more responsibilities because where do you learn to put things that your application needs to do? Um, a lot of that goes in the view controller. Uh, and so in a, in a fairly typical iOS app, you may find a view controller uh, coordinating interaction between uh, a, a network API client or some sort of persistence layer. Uh, it may be parsing dates, formatting things for display. It might it might be creating and configuring and presenting other view controllers, which is a problem we talked about in episode one, uh, where we discussed coordinators. And this all leads to view to um, what you might call the massive view controller problem, where your view controllers have a whole lot of responsibilities. And uh, because they're sort of tied to the whole UI kit um, application lifecycle, they're not really very testable either. Uh, it's very hard to uh, test in, in isolation any of these sort of added behaviors that your application puts in any of its view controllers, right? Right. So what if, hear me out, what if we took all of these sort of application-level responsibilities, let's take everything that you're assigning to your view controllers, and like just as a first step toward making those things more testable, toward isolating those out of this sort of like view controller class that's just part of UIKit, uh, let's take let's take these responsibilities, th this job, and move it up into some object which works uh, which works to provide data and handle interactions with uh, with this view controller. So you're saying basically we take our view controller, which already has the uh, responsibilities of controlling the controlling the view, as it were, uh, <laughs> managing rotation. Uh, the other stuff we talked about, let's leave those responsibilities there, but all the application concerns, you want to move over to this thing called a view model. Exactly. Or I want to move up to this thing called a view model, right? Because in this world, I'm thinking of the view controller almost as being just part of the view layer. Okay. So all of your application concerns for, for a given screen, a given part of your app, can get moved up to a, uh, to a view model. And this view model is uh, just a, a, a class. This is some reference type that you might initialize with uh, some dependencies. This is where you might talk with an API client or with a, a persistence layer that sort of abstracts away your API client and your model parsing and everything. You may pass in um, what other dependencies might a view controller need. So like a motion manager or something, right? Uh, step counter, yeah, that kind of a thing. A step counter, yeah. Right. And so this means that you have an object who uh, that 
that handles these sort of coordination between other objects with the goal of of powering this view in your app. And that is something that you can uh, that that provides a place for you to uh, inject dependencies for testing. Uh, and it's something you can test in isolation since you've broken it out of the um, out of the UIKit world. Gotcha. So I have two questions uh, so far. So the one question I have is: you keep saying that you will move these responsibilities up into the view controller. Does that or up into the view model? Does that mean that the view model holds on to the view controller or does the view controller still hold on to the view? Like, what's the ownership relationship here? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so in, in my mental model and in what we're doing at work, let me think about this here. The, you, you inject a view model into a view controller, uh, but the view controller isn't responsible for like creating that view model, gotcha. if that makes sense. So as I mentioned in the last episode, we have, we're using the coordinator pattern to have sort of flow coordinators in this application. And so that's where a view controller gets created and presented. Uh, and then that coordinator is also responsible for um, creating a view model appropriate for that view controller. Because uh, as we talked about, this provides a, like a place for your view controllers to get their dependencies. So actually what we do is we create a view model with all the appropriate dependencies, create a view controller that and present it however needs to be, you know, however needs to be presented. Right. Uh, and we inject that view model into that new view controller. So that's where um, I think in the last episode I alluded to view models fitting pretty nicely into this sort of coordinator-fueled uh, world. Um, and and you can see how that how that works right now. Now that view controllers aren't aren't creating and presenting each other, we can almost like naturally fit in this other. Um, uh, this other object that it sort of models the, the behavior of a given view rather than um, being the UI part right. of that view. That makes sense. So the coordinator is responsible for creating it. And so in some sense that there's like a um, parent-child relationship there. But then the thing that actually holds onto it and uses it is the view controller. And so exactly. there's a parent-child relationship there too as well. Okay. Yeah. The second question that I have for you is that you mentioned that, you know, this view model is initialized with some kind of persistence layer, some kind of... Um, some kind of network ability, talk to the network, maybe a motion manager, all these types of things. Does that mean that the view model in an ideal world acts as sort of a facade to all of these other interfaces? It's not so much a facade uh, because I think of a facade as like as almost wrapping another interface. Um, where whereas I think of a view model more as an object with inputs and outputs. Um, and so these inputs might be dependencies, which it internally might subscribe to to get updates, or um, they could be um, static inputs that the view model does something with too. And then the view model has outputs, which are um, which are exactly what the view controller needs to put uh, to put whatever the view's concern is on screen. So you may have a view model that you initialize with, um, let's say, some sort of reference to your persistence layer. And um, uh, some sort of step counter or something, right? Um, this may not be a great example since ideally I think the step counter would probably update the persistence layer somewhere else. And then the view model would just subscribe to the persistence layer, format right. format the data uh, for display and spit out, say, an, an NS attributed string. Right. Um, and then the view controller just takes that string and puts it on screen in the right place, as well as handling all the view layer concerns that gotcha. UIKit okay. gives it. That makes sense so far. Yeah? Okay. Good. I'm glad. I, I haven't really practiced this explanation, so <laughs> uh, I, I hope that everyone's following so far. I'm with you so far. I really like the distinction between application logic going into view model and um, 
you know, view specific logic staying in your view controller. And I think that is like a very clean way to separate that's, the two things. And that's something I really want to emphasize here is that there's, there's so much talk about view models, but like all, all I'm arguing here is that this is a, a good way to incrementally improve iOS application architecture by starting to separate out some responsibilities. Now, let me ask one more question. Your interfaces to your view models, are they protocols or is it just the concrete view model type itself? Uh, that's a very good question. So do you mean, what do you mean by interfaces to view models though? So, um, you, you know, the view controller holds onto a property and we like let view model and mm -hmm. then you'll have a colon and then there'll be a type there and then, you know, it'll be set to whatever. So that, that type that's set there, is that a protocol that represents like this mm -hmm. view controller's the things that this view controller needs, or is it the actual concrete type of the... Yeah, uh, okay, I see what you're saying. Um, it is a protocol, uh, and and let me explain why, because you could make an argument for doing either. Right. Um, in this case, this means that the a view controller can define a protocol that is, this is the data that I need in order to put things on screen. Uh, these are the events that I need to be able to tell this sort of coordination layer. Um, the user tapped this button. And the view model may uh, do something in the persistence layer or uh, at an API client right. to respond to that action. Uh, but really, the view controller um, doesn't need to know much about the concrete type that's doing this, right? Right. So it makes sense to have a protocol there. Uh, if you were doing something dead simple, I mean, you could just have the view controller know about the concrete view model type. Yeah. The other argument for uh, having a protocol here is that that opens the door for you to do snapshot testing of your view controllers. So let's consider view controllers as just being part of the view layer. Well, um, in order to just test the view layer, you don't want to have to put together, like you're, you're not going to mock up a fully featured view model and try to adjust all those inputs. You want to be able to just inject a view model that just effectively exposes static um, data to your view controller put the thing on screen, take a screenshot, and see if it works. Right, that makes a lot of sense. There is another benefit to view models as well, which I heard a little bit about on another podcast called Runtime FM, hosted by friends of the show, Sam Sofus and Caleb Davenport. It's a great show. And they talked about, or Caleb mentioned specifically, that his collection view controllers, they have a view model property, and so like, let's say you know, it needs to display some data, and there's, you know, there's an empty set of results. That is one specific concrete view model type that conforms to this protocol that the collection view controller needs. And mm -hmm. so he'll just update the view, the view model on the view controller and say like, okay, now that this is updated, just refresh yourself and everything will just lay out as it should. And then if new data comes in, he can say, well, here's some fresh data, do this. Or if an error comes in, there's like an, an error view model, for example. And as we, as he swaps yeah. out that view model property, the view controller can just refresh itself and like just show the exact right thing without having to worry too much about conditionals and like all that stuff. Absolutely, yeah. And that kind of touches on something, uh, something else that I think is powerful, which is that depending on exactly how a view model is designed, you can you can compose view models too, right? Like let's say some some view models, depending on the screen that they're powering, may be fairly fairly complex, fairly and and fairly specific, right? Right. Um, you could imagine another view model, for example, uh, one that knows how to take a take a take some a, a blog post and knows how to apply uh, different formatting to the title and body depending on. Uh, depending on some properties of, of the like model, the context right? that it's displayed in or whatever. Sure, sure. 
and and then spits out an attributed string. Well, that's something that maybe isn't really specific and maybe is all you need to power a screen that shows a blog post. But then let's say you want to show a blog post in another screen in your app. That simple view model, you could actually, um, you could compose that into a view model that uh, is powering another screen where displaying right. a blog post is only a small part of uh, of that screen, right? Right. But there's no formal connection between these? It's just a, you should write the code that will connect these two together in a composed way. It's not as though like you have a composed view model type that takes multiple view models and... No, I'm, I'm imagining something here that's more ad hoc where right. your uh, okay. blog post collection view model has a, um, it has a few of these uh, sort of blog post view models just as dependencies and it just knows about the blog post view right. model protocol. Right, that makes sense. And, and uses them under the hood. Gotcha. Cool. So is there anything else on like the, like the base level explanation of view models that you'd like to touch on? No, not, not really. I'll, I, again, all I'll say is it's, I, I think a pretty simple and simple incremental improvement. Uh, and I'll, I'll sort of emphasize that this isn't anything that's really formally, um, there's no really formal definition here, right? right? It's just take Take the sort of coordination and responding to actions that your view controller does now uh, about responding to responding to actions that are application concerns right. that's in your view controller and put it in something that you can test. Right. It seems kind of like coordinators in that sense of just like, yeah, there's not really a really formal pattern or like any strict interface. It's just like build the thing that you need at the time that you need it. It's it's a uh, it's a lot like coordinators in this idea that I will keep coming back to, which is identify things that have a lot of responsibilities and try and break them down. Right. There's going to be a recurring theme right. on uh, on this podcast. So that actually leads into what I would say is one of my first big criticisms. All right, let's models. hear it. So I wrote a blog post um, about half a year ago now, uh, and it is called MVVM is not very good. I remember this and. I originally had actually titled it MVVM is terrible, but I MVVM is not terrible. It's just not that good in my eyes. And so I changed the title of the blog post to something that I thought was a little more accurate. But my one of my big concerns with the view model is that because the name is not precise, because the name is very abstract, well, it's just, uh, it's just a view model, um, <laughs> you can put things in there uh, sort of out of laziness in the same way that you would with the view controller. And while you could just be strict with yourself and make sure that you always do the right thing and be really strict in code review, if you named a class, let's say you were talking about something that formats the uh, attributed string for a blog post, for example, if you take that code and put it in something called a presenter, you can never put any code in there that has anything to do with like network logic. Okay. Because you know that like as soon as you put it in there, it's like this makes no sense. Sure. Never go here. So can I respond can I respond to this in, in three prongs? Let's I want to hear it. Um let's see if I can hold this all <laughs> in my mind while I speak. Um the first one is that uh you you're right, it's not formally defined. That doesn't necessarily mean that it is is bad. It's certainly still better than throwing all these things in a view controller. I agree with that. Definitely agree so, with that. My second second prong here is let me try to give a slightly more formal definition, kind of off the cuff. All right. But the goal of a view model is to model the interactions and the coordination and the um, and the actions that are needed in order to drive a view in the app. Right. So it's to model the, all, all of the sort of application and domain um, logic, the coordination with other objects, 
and uh, and the sort of data outputs that are needed to drive a screen in the app. Third, you could uh, this idea isn't incompatible with presenters, for example. If that's something right. that concerns you, there's nothing about this pattern that stops you from breaking out other responsibilities into other objects. Right. And you should. And really, and really mm-hmm. honing. And you should. Yeah. And and you could keep going and really hone the idea. And and really hone these ideas out into separate objects, uh, down to the point where you have a view interactor, presenter. <laughs> I forget what the E is. Entity. And entity and entity, responder yeah. is that? No, it's router and router. Router. So it, it really becomes like for. So the question really becomes for your application: Where do you start seeing diminishing returns right. on that? That makes um, sense. I, I think in in a lot of view models, it might make sense to sort of let the view model just handle the. Um, Again, coordination between objects right. and and have reusable presenters, kind of like the blog post view model that I described earlier. Right. That almost feels like a presenter, doesn't it? For sure. And it's interesting. You keep bringing up coordination between objects that drives a view, and um, mm-hmm. that sounds like and that sounds a lot like the facade pattern. And we'll put a link to the show notes for the facade pattern. Okay. And I think that if it were defined in that way as like, look, this is a object that like gives the view control everything that needs to function, but it should function as a facade. It shouldn't really do any logic. It should just glue together these components. Sure. I think I'd be a lot more comfortable with it. Um, that well, way you can you think would. about it like that. I am. I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah. And I think I, I think I might, um, I, I really, really like your distinction. I haven't heard it before of like view specific logic goes into the view controller and application logic goes into the view model. I think that's really smart. What what, are, what is your company paying you to write versus what it, like what do you have to write for Apple? Right, exactly. So maybe in another world, if you could, if you could, and I think some people do, write Swift Android apps, you could wholly um, take your view model from Apple's system and put it into a thing, and it theoretically, like obviously, there would be a ton of weird concerns. <laughs> This, but like, this is the dream. Theoretically, you could use it in a totally different context and a totally different platform. That's theoretically, yeah. yeah. That that division, um, that's really theoretical. It would be nice right. if that worked, but that's that may be a useful way to think about right. this. Yeah. Okay. I, I really, I really do like that. There is um, another pattern that some people like that they also call view model mm-hmm. that I want to touch on, which is I would call more accurately view data. Um, where, like, in the same way that a UI label is set up with a string that is its text property, or a UI image is set up with an image, your profile view would be initialized with some, in Swift it would be a struct, um, that would have all the fields that it needs, but it would be very dumb. It wouldn't have any of the transformation logic. It wouldn't have anything other than just the pure data that this thing needs to be, like, configured with. Yeah. And... Um, that way you can make the fields, make the subviews on, like, let's say the profile view be totally private and then no other view can, or no other object can access them and yeah. tweak them and change the parameters. So you know that they're like sealed inside this class and, um, the view data is the only thing that crosses over that boundary. Sure. Uh, I, again, a, a three prong response, <laughs> if I can remember all the, all of the prongs. Uh, there's nothing about what I'm describing so far that prevents the view controller from keeping its views totally private, right? If you, once you bind a view model to, or yeah, once you bind a view model to a view controller, it's the view controller who's responsible for consuming updates from this view model protocol, which again, the view controller set out and, and updating its views appropriately. So those can be totally secret. Um, if you, if you want to have the outputs be rather than like a set of uh, string or attributed string properties, um, 
if you wanted to set up like a struct that the view model spits out and hands over to a view controller right. or, or a view subclass, uh, that that works fine. Uh, that I'm going to view as a little bit more of a stylistic choice. Right. Uh, I would even give it a different name. It's a really different way of approaching it. I would call it view data rather than view model. Well, so then you still have something that's handling the sort of coordination to put together that bag of data, yes. right? Yes, yes. That, that, I think, is your view model. The structure is yeah. more your view data or something, right? I gotcha. Yes. And so what you also might do, uh, again, you may, you may try to separate... Um, you may try to separate the uh, sort of formatting of data for a specific screen, um, date formatting, applying font sizes and colors, right. all that kind of stuff, out into another object, which, um, again, maybe like is part of the pipeline downstream of your view model and above your view controller. And that maybe fits into what you're describing, too. Right. It's, um, I think MVVM likers want to treat the view and the view controller as the same, but I think that this distinction between a struct that holds just the pure data versus a like a live view model object that you can bind to, um, and I'm assuming bind in this context, you're referring to like a reactive type of thing, which hopefully yeah, we'll, we'll talk about. We'll, in the we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, um, maybe a future episode. Um, but I would never pass that kind of live object to a view, where I would feel totally comfortable passing it to a view controller. So. Uh, I'll totally what agree your, with that. What are your feels on this? Yeah. I'll totally agree. So um, I would view... So I'm considering view controllers here as, quote, part of the view layer. Right. Because that that is sort of where they live in the sort of overall UI kit land. But uh, you're right in that views and view controllers do have, like, separate... Um, they exist for different purposes. Right. And this... Um, I, I would go so far as to argue that whether you are binding data from a sort of live view model with uh, observables as outputs, or whether um, you're, you're assigning a view controller or you're assigning your view layer uh, a struct that's a bag of data. Right. Um, either way, I, I, I think that the, that sort of distribution of this data to the underlying views is still probably a view controller's job. Yeah, I would agree with that. No, uh, rather I, than a UI view subclass. I would agree with that. The way I would do it... And I always thought this was what people meant when they talked about view models, because in a lot of tutorials it was. But I would basically sure. have a view controller that has a presenter, and then it initializes that presenter with whatever actual data and model objects that the presenter needs to have the output, and then I usually make a method called a like configure view. And that's where the binding would happen, and it would just say, like, you know, username text label dot text equals, okay. like, presenter dot you know, text, like the name with the ad appended mm -hmm. and whatever formatting needs to happen. Hmm. Um, and so that's how I would typically, typically do that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think of some of the, um, th there's a little bit of a problem of terminology here, right? Because these are sort of less well understood terms. There may be different, different sub communities who have slightly different understandings. Uh, that's what it was really important for me starting this podcast to give a clear overview of what I thought I was talking yeah, I think you did about. A really good job for sure. Oh, thanks. So the idea of view models and MVVM uh, originated from a Microsoft white paper. I'm not exactly sure what framework it was supposed to work with. Maybe one of the .NET ones. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, there's a really good post that somebody posted in response to my MVVM is not very good post, <laughs> and I will try to dig that up. Uh, for the show notes, but basically in this in this Microsoft framework, they didn't really have something that served the role of view controllers, and hmm. so they made up this thing called view models. 
and it was supposed to sit in between the view and the model and serve as sort of an okay. adapter slash mediator role in between the two, much in the same way that our view controllers do today. Um, I, I like the term mediator here. That's yeah. a nice word. Mediator is a, is a yeah great word. I'm gonna remember that. So I'm gonna just really briefly. I'm gonna I'm gonna speculate, not knowing anything about this, that if they didn't have something like view controllers, probably their view layer had a, some of the responsibilities that we associate with view controllers in UIKit. I I wanted to give this post so that I can be sure about this, uh, and it will be in the show notes. But I think their view layer was all XML, and so you actually oh, couldn't put any code okay. in there. It was purely just this yeah. layout. And like, you know, these views are here. It's an interface builder file, for example. And I think then that like forced them to put the code in really weird places, sometimes in the model, sometimes in like these really ad hoc controller objects. And so view models were uh, proposed as an idea to make sure that everybody was kind of doing it the same way. Yeah. Um, Cool. Yeah. Uh, I have one sort of implementation level question as well. Shoot. So I understand how... Uh, especially like in a reactive world, you have a property on the uh, view model that is observable. And maybe it's not observable. Maybe it's just, you know, a text property. And you can read mm-hmm. from that property and append it to your views. When a, per- when a user taps a button, that probably funnels through the view controller. And then at some point, that signal or that piece of information needs to get to yeah. the view model so the view model can do its internal cooking and then, like, you know, output some changes. Right. Uh, how does that part of the binding happen so that so communicating uh user actions from the view up to the view model right and presumably to whatever in the app needs to happen right uh this is pretty much as simple as you might expect remember how the view controller defines a protocol that says this is what i need the view model to do like this is the application domain logic that i need to power myself right uh in in the app we're working on so far those protocols might just contain a um, such and such button tap or like such and such user action. So just just a method. Yeah, and then the view controller just calls that. That means that you can. Uh, that means that you can still test that the view model does the correct things in response to that, right? Because there's nothing. Uh, again, that's just a method on the view model. It's right. not tied to the view layer. Uh, so that's still testable. And I mean, it's it's dead simple. There's really there are very few things that that are difficult to debug about that particular interaction. Right. In, I'm really curious about the reactive stuff now. Uh, <laughs> in that world, is there a way to say, like, this is a source versus this is a sync? Like, your name property would be a source of data coming out, but how do you define, like, a sync? Uh, yeah, data so... To, like, go to. So, hmm, I haven't... So you're, you're at how would I define that propagation of a UI event in a more reactive right, way? Right, exactly. Okay. Uh, not having done this recently, I... I I don't have a really good answer for that offhand. There, there certainly are um, any reactive framework, especially reactive Coco has some UIKit extensions. RX Swift may or may not. I haven't really used RX Swift. They do provide nice uh, UIKit bindings, so you can um, so so you can have a signal as an output or an observable as an output from a UI right. element. But uh, I'm struggling to think offhand of. Um, exactly what the most elegant way to set this that binding up would be while still maintaining the same sort of ownership chain right. um, that, that I've described so far. That makes sense. Well, let's do some research and we'll come back strong. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back on this. Um, a future episode that we do, I think, will definitely be about uh, this sort of reactive programming world. And we'll do a little research here and uh, I'll, I'll have a much better answer for this later. 
that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to that one. I think that one will be really good. I, I think so too. Uh, so since you mentioned the sort of reactive programming world, I think uh, something which which I've been assuming this whole time but never said explicitly is that the uh, outputs I'm talking about on these view models are exposed as uh, observable or signal uh, properties. So each of those represents just a almost like a promise, but something that like the output will change over time and you can subscribe to that and get updates. So when you assign a view model to a view controller, the view controller says, uh, okay, I'm going to subscribe to these properties of the view model. And when one of them changes, I will update myself appropriately. I will update my sub views appropriately. Right, right. I think if I were doing that in a non-reactive context, I might just have it have a delegate that says, you know, I'm a view model and I updated, and then that would call that like configure view method, which would just reset all the properties to the outputs of the view model. I think it functionally works the same. I mean, you know, functionally, uh, but <laughs> uh, you're right. That would work the same. That's going right, to be more kind of concept. That's going to be a little more um, a little more boilerplate. Your testing of that view model because you have a delegate relationship involved now is going to be a right, little bit more challenging. Point. That's a good point. But uh, you're right. That could work. All right. Cool. That makes sense. Uh, is there anything else you want to add about view models? No, I think uh, I'll call out that we would welcome input from from listeners on what what do you think a view model is? Is it different from what I described? Uh, do you have better ideas about handling bindings? Do you have uh, nifty ideas about uh, about binding a view model to user interface actions while still maintaining a sort of, um, for lack of a better term, a one directional ownership graph here? Right. Uh, I, I really do love having a clear picture of object ownership in my applications. Uh, but beyond asking listeners to, to point out what I'm missing and what I don't know, uh, I, I don't think there's anything else I wanted to to note. Cool. Yeah, I think I touched. Uh, I think I touched on all the questions. I have. I have a much better picture of how you would actually set this up. Okay. Now. Cool. So I feel like I've I've expanded my horizon on this topic a little bit. I'm I'm really glad to hear that. Well, on that note, I don't have anything else to add. Do you have any more questions? Cool. No, that's it for me. All right. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. This has been episode two of Fatal Error, and uh, we'll talk to you in two weeks.